Thank you, Pastor. I've been meaning to talk to him about that. Yeah. <laughs> I know it wasn't an accident. No, I know it wasn't an accident, Pastor, because he asked me for March. And then he called me up a week before this. <laughs> so I kind of like speeded up the timetable. And uh, so I thought, okay, and it happened to be Super Bowl Sunday. But you know what? Go Niners, and that's fine. And there's not, nothing, you know, not, nothing wrong with football and sports and everything until you love it. Now, if you love it, it's a sin. And you got to deal with it and confess and repent. Get rid of your TV and all your, sell all your Niner gear. Anyway, I, I digress on that one. And I'll get so sidetracked. Don't even let me go that way. But I am so grateful to be here. I, I, we sing in these songs. I kept hearing one song about seeing Jesus' face and seeing his face and that we are going to see him and we're going to be like him. And you know, the Bible says that for the joy that is set before him, he endured. That goes for us too. See, that joy is before us. And we got to endure. Like, don't get to see the Super Bowl. No. <laughs> no. no, but I mean, life is an endurance. And it is. And we say it's not the race, the marathon, it's endurance. Sometimes, sometimes it's all you can do to endure an hour. I mean, there's time when it's, you know, sorrow may endure for a night. And that's a long night. But he always says joy comes in the morning. And those of us that know the Lord and been saved long enough, and when we've gone through some of those long runs, some of those five and six months and sometimes three and four and five year runs of just like everything's going wrong, we just can't get the Lord's will. What's God doing to us? Sometimes we just have to sit in the dark. And we're going to kind of see some of that tonight. Well, it's sort of part of it um, when the children of Israel, how what took a one-week trip <laughs> turned into a lifetime adventure. Anyway, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus 25. I'm going to start there. What we're going to do is I call this sermon a box of rocks. You know why? If you think, because what does God say our heart is like? It's stone. What does God say in the end times? He's going to give us, he's going to take away the stone heart, and he's going to give us a fleshly heart. And we're going to see some of these verses tonight through Jeremiah. That's where it's quoted from, Jeremiah 31, 31. But right now, I'm just going to start with the ark. And it's something that we didn't symbolize, or symbolizes. I mean, we, we know, we hear about it, we read about it, and the different names of the ark, the ark of the covenant, the ark of the testimony. Usually it's just called the ark. And I was talking to somebody, oh yeah, they found the ark. And, they, and he was talking about Noah's ark. And I said, yeah, they know, that, they know where that one's at. They haven't found this one yet, and they never, ever will. Turn to Exodus 25. And we're just going to start, give you a brief rundown on the... On the um, the making of the ark is what the work of, but always remember that the ark is one thing. It is the voice of God. It represents the word of God. It is the voice of God. Because God said to Moses, when you make this ark, I will speak from upon the ark. And upon those cherubims and that mercy. How God does it, sometimes I don't know. I read some of these scriptures sometimes and I can't put my head around how things happen. But nevertheless, it's the voice of the Lord. I read this verse, Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah saw the voice of the Lord. Explain that one to me. How do you see a voice? Yeah. Now, a lot of times they'll say it's a visions and stuff. But no, see, God can do things with his word that we cannot do. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. Mainly, what we're going to see is this ark is symbolic of just that, the word of God. I'm going to try to show you through the course of events through this night how it is. And how we say that ark is so holy and reverence and you can't touch it and you can't go near it. What about your Bible? What about your Bible? Oh, you can touch it. Oh, yeah, you can. But can you? Sometimes it'll touch you back. But let's, let's just I'll burn you back. 
I'm just going to get real quick. What I want to do is just show some points of the, of the ark was one, why did God even make it? See, we, why, did, why did God make the ark in the first place? Well, he made a lot of things at that time. And if you remember, he gave the commands. So let's start. We're just going to start, get into this, and we're going to get to running. But if you want to get ahead of time, we're going to roar to some scriptures tonight. So I'm going to take a little time. The Super Bowl better go into overtime. Because <laughs> <laughs> I need some overtime. But 1 Samuel, about 5, 6, 1 Chronicles 13. So set those there, and then we're going to roar. We're going to go to Jeremiah and um, a few other stops along the way. Exodus 25, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, There we go with the word of God. See that? Right there. Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth of a willing with his heart, he shall take an offering. And this is the offering which he shall take of them. Gold, silver, brass, blue, purple, and I'll skip the list. I just want to start there. Now, give it a backdrop. Do you know where they are right now? We're at Mount Sinai. They came out of Egypt. It's about the first, eh, I don't know, what have we done? First few months, they just, they've got started, he's sitting, and they're waiting. And God is now starting to bring the word. And he starts with Moses, and the first thing he tells them, bring an offering. Okay, well, weren't these just slaves that all left Egypt? Yeah. Did they not, in one night, boom, out the door? They're in the middle of the desert. Last time I checked, they crossed the Red Sea, so unless there was some buried treasure and pirate ship under there, where did they get all this offering? We'll find that out later. But the Lord starts that out. That's the ark. And he starts telling me, bring an offering, because this is what I want to do. Verse 10, chapter 25. And they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall the length thereof be, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. Generally, roughly speaking, three and a half by two and a half feet is pretty small. It's not this big, gigantic, awesome thing we're thinking weighs 999 pounds. It's actually kind of small. But he says, verse 11, And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Why didn't God just say gold? Why does it got to be pure? Because our Lord was pure. Within it, without, shall overlay it. In other words, all sides. You know, again, I'm, I'm going to go digress and I'm going to drop more crumbs on the table and keep slide grass without exploration, so please forgive me. But, this one, what I see, is Jesus. I mean, he's go. I, it's like I say, when I take this Bible or a ball, and you look at it, it's Jesus this way. You look at this verse, there's Jesus. You look at that verse, there's Jesus. You look at this verse, there's Jesus. You pull a thread, Jesus comes out. Lo, in the bottom of the book is written to me. And when you read all these tabernacles and everything you read, Christians, as you start reading these things in the Old Testament, look for Jesus. He is in here because it's dry, boring reading when you don't see the Lord of your life living in it. So God gives a command. See, it starts here. The Lord came to Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses. Give me an offering. Okay, and this is what I want you to do with that offering. Let me back up one more, verse 9. Very important verse. I shouldn't have passed it. According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle, and after the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. To set this in the spiritual sense, Exodus really offsets with Hebrews very well. You want a good grasp of explanation of the Levitical system and try to understand what was going on? Read Hebrews. Paul explains it very well. And he quotes this verse because all these things were a pattern. The temple, the ark, the priest, all of it was a pattern of what's in heaven. 
And as our very last verse tonight will be in Revelation 14, where they say that heaven was open and they saw the ark. Because that's where the real ark is. All these were copies. These were just imitations. And they all set the tone for, let's see, is it on? Would I go backwards? Oh, there you go. God, who in sundry time and various manners spake unto us in the past. God used a lot of ways. And that's what Hebrews is about. God, we try to put God in a box. He has to do this. Well, we have the dis dispensations. God said he flooded the earth. He's not going to do it again. He had the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. We have these dispositions of time. But right now, we're going to just follow on this one on the ark. So God gave the command to make it. And how do he make it? How, like anything else, how do we finance anything? It takes money. As the Samoan would say, coupe. It's coupe. Right? So God tells Moses, tell the children, gather an offering, and this is what I want you to do with it. And now he goes down to the next, how many chapters, and he starts looking at it. And now what I'm going to do is jump to Exodus 35. We're going to skip a lot of good stories in between. But 25, God says do. 35, it's done. Exodus 35. See, Moses gathered all the children together, verse 1. And he said, these are the words of the Lord, which the Lord hath commanded that ye should do them. Reiterates a little bit of the law. And in verse 4, and Moses spake unto the children of the congregation. Remember, 25, God told Moses. Now, 10 chapters later, Moses is telling the people, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. You know what's beautiful about the commands? They're just that. You guys in the military, go over there and do oh, Hold on a second. I'm, I'll get around to it in a minute. Right. <laughs> right. No, you, yes, sir. Commands. When God commands, we're to do. Now Moses spake to the children, and he commanded them. Verse 5. Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Well, there it is. See, God told Moses to take an offering, and Moses ain't taking an offering. So when pastor stands up here and takes an offering, don't not one person ever. Ever. Think the pastor is thinking about money. He's commanded to. Yeah. There's a command. Why? He shouldn't be commanded to because if you read your Bible real good, Christians, we know in Corinthians it says, let a man purpose in his heart. Before you come, before you set foot in this church, you ought to know how much you're going to give. Yeah. You don't come up and say, let me see how much change I got in my pocket. Shame on you. Shame on you, Christian. Where's your love for the Lord? Yes. It's not about the church or the pastor or the money. It's about you. And your relationship. And that's, see, this is what God's doing. And remember, this is sitting about the Word of God. This is to build the ark. This is the Word of God. This is so the preaching can go forth. This is so the God's Word can go forth. So what does he do? And he kings out this whole list of blue and purple and scarlet and rams and da 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 You know, God's specific on what he needs. Now, jump on over to verse 20. God gives the order. 30, or Moses gives the command. God gives the command 25. Moses gives the command 35. And now in chapter, verse 20. And the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred them up, and everyone whose spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle, the congregation, and all the service, and for the holy garments. Isn't that beautiful? And a church in the world that would love to have this happen to them. What happened to most, you know, got a big skimp, cut corners. When God's spirit is in your heart, Money's easy. Money's easy to give. I, I, I say that from my heart. I came from a time when I've, I've never been cheap, but it was hard to give. I just didn't get the concept of giving. I just didn't get the concept of giving. 
But I remember when I really kind of first got saved, I was so broke I didn't have gas. And my pastor was even broker than me. And he gave me $5. The only $5 he had in his wallet. I've never forgotten that. He sacrificed for me. And he really didn't know me that way. I was just new to the church, but I was young in the Lord. I learned about giving right there. I learned one time I, I, I was in between jobs and this, this, this widow put me to work washing her walls. Gave me some money. I understand what giving was. I've been giving ever since. Now, have I been perfect on my giving? No. I remember the time I was supposed to give some tires to a missionary, and I didn't. I kept them. God smote my heart for that. That was 40 years ago. I still remember. Now, I still smoke myself. I'm still human. I still don't give like I have. But I could praise the Lord. I could literally say I've had millions go through my fingers. And I was able to give it away. I got no regrets. I, I don't even think about it. I'm like, it's, it's nothing. And so it should be with you. Because see what it is here? Look at verse 21. And they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him up. His heart, not his wallet. And again, this isn't a message about giving. This is about relating to the ark. But the ark came to be by God's people giving. The word of God goes out by God's people giving. It doesn't happen no other way. See, their heart was stirred, and they were made willing, and they brought the Lord's, excuse me, who's offering? You guys reading this? Anybody got follow? You got an NIV or nothing, do you? Because mine says the Lord's offering to the work. That, I mean, that's before they gave it. See, it was his offering before. Now, are you going to hold on to it? See, God will purpose in your You'll be sitting in, I, I'm just telling you, I've had times, I've been sitting here, and I have some of the weirdest thoughts. And I don't mean, the time stuff will come up, all of a sudden, i got to give $300. Other times, oh, i just give them five. I don't know, it just depends. There's, there's, it's not the value of the gift, it's the heart that's given it. So it's not about how much you give it. But see, verse 22, and they came, both men and women. Now, God could have just said to people, but see, ladies can give. Because watch what the ladies do. Oh, and they came, both men and women, as many were willing-hearted. See, there it starts there. How's your heart? See, it's always a heart problem with Christianity. And they brought bracelets and earrings. Any girls going to give up earrings? Mm, we'll melt them down. Gold is what? $2,000 an ounce. See, and all the tools and offered. And at the end of it, in the offering of gold unto the Lord. Now, this is how the tabernacle starts. God gives commands. It's financed by the people. And that's what Corinthians tells us. That we purpose in our heart to give. So now that ark's been, we have the gifts. We have the commands. We have the purpose. God gave all the blueprints. See, just like anything else, any construction project, you got to have the blueprints. And these are explicit detail. Explicit. I mean, look at that thing. This one here is totally a replica, and it's in Washington. Look at the beauty of that thing. I mean, I never even realized. That'd be pure 100% gold. That is absolutely beautiful. But you know what? Absolutely none of this is all in vain without the Spirit of God. That's right. We labor in vain without the Spirit of God. Turn, if you will, chapter 30, verse 30. Just keep going on. 35, 30. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord have called by name Israel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. 
And he hath filled them with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise curious works, works of gold and breath. In other words, this man knew what he was doing. He was a skilled, cunning artifactor. But you see what it says? Who called him? Who called him? Was he sent or did he went? Baal didn't ask. God called him. God called him. And Moses said, see, the, he called him by name. And in verse 31, and he hath filled him with the Spirit of God. Filled him with the Spirit. Remember, they didn't have the Holy Spirit back then. Most people, you had to obey just by your own righteousness. You either had to or you had to not. We had the Spirit of God. What do we have? We had the Spirit that could convict us of sin. Yes. How many times when you don't want to do something, <sighs> Scripture pops in your head. Remember the Old Testament? They had to hang it in front of their eyes. They had to wear a little box and put the scripture in front of their eyeballs to remember it. We hide thy word in our heart. That's it. Right? So we see that was Bezel. He was ordered. And that God raised him up. And, and see, related to the church, God gave some prophets. And he gave some evangelists. And he stirred up one. And he gave gifts to spirits of discerning. And we all, the church, had different spirits. Same thing God's doing here. He's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he is the same forever. But now, see, after this ark's got made, and God had his, has his purpose for it, it's going to be in the tabernacle. And I'm not really going to do the tabernacle here, get into that. There's so many roads you can run down. But God gave explicit orders, just like with this Bible. He gave explicit orders. Only certain people could touch that ark, and that was the priest. But if you remember the story about the ark, as, as we remember when God made it, remember you seeing all the all the badger skin dyed red and all the skin, God had the ark covered, came into the tabernacle. No one can come in the tabernacle except the priest. But then when you couldn't go inside the holies of holies, it's all covered. First you had a tent around it. See, the world can't see what's going on in here. Much less do the world even know what's going on. But even as Christians, some things are just holy. This pulpit, say what you will, piece of wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even good wood. This pulpit is holy. Plain up and simple. This pulpit is holy. Not because it's the wood that's in this church or because it's Elmira. It's because the word of God comes, preaches out of here. That's why. This represents the word of God just as the ark did. So it's holy. Some things can be done. You can't do it. Kids come up here and play. Uh, do you color books? No. Respect it. I don't know about you at home. I, I do that with my kitchen table. I call it the table. I just Kids come up and... Uh, you know, you could play and run your car a little bit, but you, there's some things that aren't done at the kitchen table. You just can't do these things. You don't play here. You play over there. You don't build your thing here. This is the table. We fellowship here. This is where the family gathers. This we come. Now, I don't know if that works in your house, but sometimes there's rules. God gave a rule. Turn to numbers. There's only certain people can um, touch this ark, and we're going to see that one. We know the most of the story later on. We'll see about Uzzah. We don't want to touch it. But what happens if, remember, as I'm preaching this, think in your mind, your Bible, the Word of God. What do you do with your Bible? Where's your Bible at? Huh? Do you know? Besides with you here, but during the week? Numbers 330. Yeah, let me get out of four and I'll get back to three. And God gives the commands of who can touch this. Now, in verse 3, it's a duty of the chorus fan. I'll pick it up at 27. Numbers 3, verse 27. And Korah was of the family of the Ammonites, and the family of the Israelites, and the family of the Hebronites, and the family of the Uzerites, and the family of the Kohites. You guys got that? Repeat it back to me, please. In, here. Uh, 
I will make this easy for you. There you go. Now you can read the names. Well, it's, it's, it's the family tree. It's, it's, a fam it's a tree of Levi, you see, which is one I always got because we always think of Levi, but Levi is way up here. Then here's Koath, Amran, Jochebed. Moses ain't down to here. Aaron, Moses. And some of you, we just never hear about this line. We hear about Gershon a little bit, but it's the Koahites, this line right here. God, out of all the ding, 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 so Moses' nephew. God gave commands for these. And he tells them about the families. In verse 7, the number, he gives all the count and the charge. But verse 31, and their charge shall be the ark. That's their job. Their charge shall be the ark and the table and the candlestick and the altars and the vessels and the sanctuary. And that's what they were do. They had one job, just one, one carry the ark. Now, I'll give you the breakdown of it. When Moses gave the command, you know they're going to pack up the ark, they're going to move, and they're going to take off on their journeys, they had to pack all the stuff up. Well, the priest did the packing. So the priest packed everything, covered up. Then the Kohites came in and carried it. It was all wrapped up, packaged. They couldn't see it. They couldn't touch it. They couldn't look upon it. Even they were restricted. In a sense, with us, even today, pastors got the lonely job. We can't do pastor's job. We can't come in and tell pastor what he needs to do. Pastor, you, well, you know, pastor, I think you really ought to. You know, pastor, if you were doing your job, you would. We, it's not our place. Biblically, just common sense. Pastor's a, God, God gave him a job. He gave some pastors, not Christians. He gave pastors. And then he gave an evangelist. Evangelist ain't a pastor. They can be the same. They usually are. Evangelists start a church. They turn into pastor. But they're different. Just like these Kohites, just like the priest, they all have their jobs. They have specific function. Do you know yours, Christian? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? You have a job. He gave, he gave the same gifts. The Bible says he gave gifts to every man. What are you doing with yours? Are you that talent you buried under the ground? You're so worldly you just don't even you read your Bible's boring? Is your Bible boring? Shouldn't be. Now maybe reading the begats, that's kind of boring. But you know what? I used to, I haven't read the begats in a while. But you know what got me to why I want to read the begats? Men of renown expressed by their names. Man, when you read some of these names and what some of the lives of these people in the Bible is amazing. And I'm going to try to show you that when we get to Obedidim. Some, some of these names, when you follow them down, it's just phenomenal. The line that comes down through the decades and all of a sudden, ping, something pops up from a thousand years ago. Right down the exact bloodline. God makes no mistakes. So only the Kohites carry this ark. See, even with our Bible and preaching, not everybody can preach. Not everyone can stand up and teach. Not that you're, whether you're good or not, you're not called to do it. Now, the one I can't hear, I just heard it the other day. Well, Mrs. Pastor, I am sorry. I'm, I'm not old-fashioned in a sense, but I cannot find Mrs. Pastor anywhere in my Bible. That's right. <laughs> and that's what happens. See, people want to take things that are not theirs. They were not given responsibility. It is not their job. It is not their place. It is not their right. And when God comes judging them, and everyone's going, oh, how come God's in? Yeah, because everybody has their place. And that's what the ark is showing us. It has a place, it has a stamp, it has a purpose. See, God is not the God of confusion. I mean, I'll, you ever go into a service 
And man, I mean, the tongues and the blue. I've gone into charismatics. I came out of charismatics. And it's just confusion. Now, another one is when they're reading 19 different flavors of the Bible. Every time I get there and read the Bible, I don't read. I just, I, I want to plug my ears. It's confusion. Well, you know, but God is blessing us. Is he really? And we're going to try to see that tonight. See, we have a form of God in this, and it looks good, it smells good, it walks good, and it's everything's perfect, but God isn't in it. God isn't in probably half the plans we make. Half, probably three quarters. We ask God to bless us and run by our standards. Anyway, let's keep going on. But see, the thing about the ark, we, I'm just showing you the Kohites were the ones to carry it. God financed it by the people, by the gifts and the free will offerings. And just to back you up, you want to know where they got all that money? Do you remember the night before they left? The night before they left Egypt, God said, hey, just go, uh, go borrow some few things from your neighbors. But the little, again, one of those little small verses, God said, God gave favor. Boom! Next thing you know, they're building temples of gold. And they still got enough gold loaf to make a couple more calves. Because remember, Moses went up to the mountain a couple chapters earlier. They made golden calves. So they have a lot of stuff that they cleaned out. So that's where the tithe and the offering came. But as anything else in life, it comes time to grow. And you know when you get saved, when you first get saved as a Christian? Turn to Numbers 10. A couple more pages over. Every time there comes a time, and I've had times and, uh, to move, and sometimes you just don't know when. Remember, they're sitting here. Now, picture this scene. Mount Sinai, big smoky mountain, volcano. God came, Moses came down with Ten Commandments once. And I still, I, I could never get the Saturday Night Live skit out of my head. It just gets me every time. Moses came down, he had 15 commandments, and he dropped one. And he said, I bring you the ten. <laughs> and that's, it's sarcastic, but I just, I never get that out of my head. But see, Moses did break them. And he did drop them. And God wrote it again. Anybody tells you this Bible isn't inspired? You know, these these. The King James controversy. Hey, trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on unknown understanding. I believe in the King James. Absolutely. Why? Because I've studied the other Bibles and they're, they're wrong. They're just wrong. They're just wrong. Now, they're good for people. If people are going to read them, I praise the Lord for them. But see, remember Jesus, remember when they, John said, we caught on fire from that NIV, we need to banish that Bible. No, 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 no. No, they, they, they lead alone. They that speak evil, they can't speak evil. They're either for us or against us. You want to read an NIV? Man, memorize it. CSV, New Living Paraphrased. I got saved off the New Living Paraphrased. So I'm, I, I, you know, I'm always for the Word of God if you'll read it. Amen. But see, like to me, they contain the Word of God. There is the Word of God, and then there's a contained. But anyway, same with anything else. Nothing stays still. Numbers 10. God gives a command. It's time to get up. They've been building all this stuff. Remember, God's goal was to bring them to the promised land. Our ultimate goal in this whole time of listening to God is to get across the Jordan, get to the promised land. For us, is to get saved, bring people with us, and then we're going to see Jesus. And we'll see those prints in his hands. But in, in Numbers chapter 10, it's time to get the moving. And um, where was that? 10, uh, 33. Moses said, and they departed from the Mount of the Lord, three days' journey. So this is the first time. After Egypt, after all they've been through, they've been sitting here getting all, all this time, all these months they've been waiting. It's time to get on with the Christian life. 
And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them in three days' journey. Now I love this verse. To search out a resting place for them. Think about that. They got that ark on their back, remember? Remember this one got the staves in it? I forgot. Remember they're carrying this? One guy on each side. They're walking. Moses told them to go. They had to particular all the camps break. They follow the priest camps. You know, they all bust in a certain order. And, and they all follow an order. But God says the ark and them before them in verse 33, before them in the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. Well, weren't they resting where they were? Weren't they pretty comfortable under there? God provided for them. Well, you know what, Christian? Sometimes we can't stay put. One, we need to grow. You need to grow. You got to get the word in you. You got to grow. You got to grow. You got to go for it. But see, God may move you out. And I just know in my story, I mean, some of you, most of you probably don't know my story, but when I was saved, I was a commercial fisherman. I was working on a boat called the Maria out of the wharf. And um, I got saved, went back fishing, and didn't know no one, but I bought a new living phrase Bible. I'm After a few months, I just, I can't be here. I don't know why. I just quit, and I walked off the boat. Had nowhere to go, had no job, had nothing lined up, nothing. I had no idea where I was going, what I was going to do, how I was going to do it. I'd only been saved about six months, but I knew God wanted me to quit. The doors had opened for me, finally over the course of life and following trail. And, and I thought, I've been walking this trail a long time. And I've seen the Lord do a many good things to me. But this is one I like. And he shall circle out a resting place. Remember, Hebrews tells us. Hebrews, that they're always trying to find a rest. They're looking for a rest. They're seeking a rest, trying to get a rest. How tired are you, Christian? You know, sometimes you're just tired, period. I mean, I used to be tired. I remember my bones used to hurt. I'd literally do 20-hour days back to back to back to back to back. Weeks of 16, 20-hour doubles. I mean, weeks. There was one time I had 90 days straight work. 90 days. I remember going to the office and said, can I please have a day off? Look, please, just one. Right? It worked so much. But that was physical. Thing. What about the ministry? What are you doing for the Lord? Huh? You guys tired? You know what I like about this? When these people walked all those journeys, 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. Right. You're worried about where your feet? See, our problem is that we're worried about where we're going to go. We're worried about what we're going to do. We're going to, what's going to happen when we get there? How am I going to afford it? How, how, how? What do I let me go? Well, what part of faith is that? Here's faith. I'm going to walk right to the edge. They did that to Jesus. Remember, they would take him out of Nazareth. They, they took Jesus out of the church and wanted to throw him over the hill. But either way, see, God set the ark now. It's time to get moving. It's time to get where we're going. We all got to get there. And, you know, technically, this was only ultimately from the time of Egypt to the time of there should not even have took two weeks. <laughs> 41 years later. But see, here's another one. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day when they went out of the camp. And it came to pass when the ark set forward, verse 35, that Moses said, Rise, Lord, let thine enemies be scattered. Yes. And I say amen. And let them that hate thee flee before thee. You know something? I kind of like this kumbaya Christian love. I was just watching a thing. They had a commercial about these Jesus kids. 
I can't quite put my finger on those commercials, but there's something wrong with them. There's something wrong with them. They sound nice, but I'm watching this one, all these things. And the last one ended with a thingy and a priest watching this priest. In case you don't know a thingy, that's a drag queen. Or men that dress like women. And it just, you know, I, I understand, but they said, well, Jesus loves. Really? Yes, he does. Absolutely, he loves me. God is angry with sin. Guys, ever read that verse? God is angry with sin every day. God is angry with the wicked every day. Angry. Mad. What about you? Whom the Lord loveth. Get spanked lately? You ever have God yell at you? Well, I've had, you know, I want to close my Bible. I mean, it's like, I don't want to read that. But you have to. Because whom the Lord loveth, he loves you. And see, it's time for this ark to get moving. It's time to get this going on in our Christian life. But you know the problem with people? <laughs> Chapter 11. And when the people complained, read that again. And when the people, hold, and I'm thinking in my head, these people have been fed, they saw a miracle, they saw a failed army destroyed, they just had all those plagues, the blood, the death, miracles watching through. I mean, just to see the ocean open up. Now you, you, now you saw a mountain. You hear voices coming out of the mountain. And they got the nerve to complain. And when the people complained, the Lord understood. He understood. God's compassionate. Really? What happens when you complain? You like hearing it? It displeased the Lord. And the Lord Heard it. You know God hears you? I was just talking with someone that, that, that this morning how, you know, sometimes it's scary to remember that God knows your thought afar off, especially when you're thinking an evil thought. Kind of scary that God knows what you're going to do when you go off to go do some sin and you think you're secret, you got it all set up, you got your alibi, excuses, and we make it all perfect package, we go sin, and then boy, do we regret it afterwards. It's always a good sign when you hate sin. You fell down and you stumbled and you feel so unclean and dirty. Get up, Christian, because God loves you. And the people cried unto Moses. Oh, hold them back up. And the, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them. They were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Those are the fringes on the edges. It's usually the people on the outside that are making all the racket, complaining. People that are close to the tabernacle, they should glory of God. Right? But see, these people, the first thing they can do, now watch this. Verse 5. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. Fish free. I had to go catch them, I'm sure. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Mmm. Sounds like mama's cooking, huh? Do you look back on your old life and you want it? Huh? I go, Paul tells me, such were some of you. Peter says, such were some of you. Paul says, let the time, of the, because you put it away from you. Don't even know more the revelings, the drinking, the lifestyle. Do you crave that lifestyle? Is there still part of you that wants it? Because if there is, <laughs> what multitude are you in? Are you even saved, Christian? Are you? If you got so much desire to get back, if you just keep thinking of a good old time, oh, I remember. I try not to tell stories of my sinful days back then because I got too much in my head. These eyes, 
I mean, I grew up a hard life on the streets, and this is the, just a junk I've seen. How to hear and feel. I pray the Lord he cleanse me, but it's still in me. It's, it's still there. I divide nobody. Don't, don't complain. Don't complain. Watch this, but don't remember. See, we remember, but look at verse 6. You want to know the ungrateful, what will happen, how ungrateful you'll be just like that? But now our soul is dried away, and there's nothing at all but set this manna. If I got to read this Bible one more time, just, ugh, I don't want to remember. Proverbs, I don't want to read it. Huh? Is that your thought? But our soul is dried away. There's nothing but manna. All I do is read, read my Bible, pray. Read my Bible, pray. Read my Bible and pray. Isn't the Christian life fun? Why am I got to work? Huh? All we got is manna. And the Bible too gives a little description. The Bible said it tastes like honey. It tastes like honey, fresh oil. Yeah. Verse 10. You know what happens when you complain? You're going to bum pastor out. And Moses heard the people weep throughout the night. Verse 10. Every man in the door of his tent. All these people just clean. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Do you think that pleases God? Belly aching, moaning. The church, this, this. Huh? Are you pleasing God? Absolutely not. Watch this. Now Moses gets discouraged. He says, verse 12, have I conceived his people? Have I begotten them? Lord, this is your fault. They're your people. What did you give them to me for? Verse 15, if thou deal thus with me, kill me. Oh boy, is Moses having a pity party or what? You know, that's the problem with pity parties. There's only one of, one's invited. But watch this. But, the, but see the Lord and his graciousness. Moses complained. God said, okay. The Lord said, Moses, I'll send you 70 people to help you. And so he goes on and, and takes that. But let's skip on just a little bit more. Verse 12, and I'm going to slide off into verse 13, but look at chapter 12, beginning. Now, people were complaining and bittering and belly aching. Well, guess what? Now it gets close to home. And Miriam Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman he had married. Oh, they didn't like something he did. You ever have your family get mad at you? Oh, if you're a Christian, how come you're not? Well, if you say you're God, how come you don't? You ever get that? Family hat? Throw that in your face? Huh? But guess what? Verse 4. And the Lord spake suddenly to Moses and Aaron, saying, Come out and eat. And the moral of the story, Miriam had to sit outside for a week with a little bit of leprosy. Think about it. You know, sometimes sin hits your life, judgment hits your life, Things go on. Things get moved out of rearranged in your life. Your job losses or things like that. Do you ever think that God's trying to get your attention for something you're doing? Now, we, God loves us and he doesn't judge us anymore. Oh, yes, he does. Because whom the Lord loves, he whips. Man, I didn't, never got a whipping by my dad because I didn't have one. But, boy, I got some whippings by the dean and them things hurt. <laughs> Either way, see, the Lord got to moving. And you know, so soon as you get in your Christian life, you hit roadblocks and turmoils. And I'm sure, Pastor, no sooner you started in the ministry, people are in your face, complaints, the problems, and the trials coming. That's what happens with the Word of God. The closer you get to the Word of God, the more the people are going to complain about you. Let's go on. Now they keep moving. 14, turn to 14. And all the congregation, they lifted up their voice and cried, because this is another time. Remember, at this point, the, the spies just got back. 
And Caleb saying, come on, man, this is gold. This is so beautiful. This is lovely. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. But what did everyone else say? Nah. Pastor says, let's build a building. Hey, why? Pastor said. <laughs> Any questions? See? But now, at this point, and then all the congregation, chapter 14, lifted the voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses. Ooh. Now they really need someone to complain to us. They, they, they complain so much they're running out of people. Now they add Aaron to the mix. And against Aaron and the whole congregation. And under wood to God we died. And here they go on with that sob story again. Verse 6, Joshua tells them, hey, we can get this done. You know, it's the one, not the many. And he said that night, the old Greek philosopher Spock. <laughs> the needs are the many outweigh the needs of the few. No, not in God's world. God is the one. God sent one prophet. Change the world. God sent one. And so everyone starts murmuring. They all start complaining. And once again, what do you think is going to happen? Chapter 14 still. Let's tell you, verse 27. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? Wow, what would God say about us? which murmur against me. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel and they murmur against me. Boy, when God says murmur three times, you think he's got the message? S say unto them, as truly as I live, say the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I would do. Ooh, they were praying, remember? We don't, they give us something to eat. We're tired of this manna. God said, you want something to eat? I'll hook you up. Say unto them, as I live, verse 29, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall come into the land concerning, I swear to make you dwell therein. Save Caleb, the son of Nun, and Joshua. Verse 31, your little ones are going to pray. Verse 32, your carcasses are going to fall. He's reminding them again. Verse 33, your children are going to wander for 40 years. You want to complain? You think there's no consequence of complaining? You think you're going to complain about the man of God? I not a side story. I remember the first time I went into this church. We were looking for a new church. Ours said fell apart and collapsed. And first time I walked in this church, man, I remember the lady sitting in the front. Pastor's preaching, and she's nah. And I'm like, whoa. You know, I looked at my wife. I said, don't sit next to her. Right? I said that. Don't sit next to her. I was literally. I really did feel something's going to happen to that lady. I, I didn't know no one in this church. I worked by, I remember the greeting pastors, and I said, I don't know what's going on in this place, but I'm on your side. I didn't even know the man. I didn't know any believer. I didn't know nothing. Why? Because he was the pastor, and I heard him preached. Now, later on, he was good. We became friends. Later, deacon in the church, and all that. We had a good time there for, for the time we were there. But I still remember that, the murmuring, the complaining, the murmur. You know, God cleaned out every single one of the murmurs. They were all gone. All gone. Everyone, I don't know if they died or not. I'm not meaning the judgment. I meant they were no longer in that church. God removed them. God removed you, you keep complaining. The joy of the Lord is your strength, not the misery. Well, see, now God, what he did here, God says, okay, you guys are going to die. You're going to die. And besides that, you guys want some manna? Right before, remember, God sent them some quail. And God says, I'm not going to send you a bird. I'm going to send you birds. And I'm going to send them day one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm going to send it for a month. Remember, Moses said, how are you going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Moses. And then when the birds came, everybody started gathering up. Yeah, 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 yeah. They died. 
God smote him on the spot. See, don't try God. Don't tip God. We See, we're Christians. We think we're New Testament. It's all lovey-dovey. Oh, no, no. He's he, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, like to say? Well, he is just as angry. I still remember the bumper sticker. Jesus is coming back, and boy, is he pissed. Now, as the world said that, I don't mean no disrespect, but, but it is true, because he's coming back to judge. He's coming back. And he's, the Bible says he's coming back in anger. But the world likes to throw this out and forget all about it. But no, he's coming back. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. But what's he going to do? Judge the world. And what's that judgment takes? Millions upon billions of people are going to die. They're physically going to Kids, women, children. It's going to be horrible. When I was giving up studying through Revelation and seeing these judgments coming again and again and again, and they're blaming them on everything else, you know, global warming and all these excuses that they're making. But it wasn't. And you know why God's judging them? For the Word of God, the very mark of God. And i got to get, keep moving on, and we're going to slide on out of time. So the, now the ark. The ark's been made. It's just started its very first trip. That's just barely got rolling. I mean, the ministry just got started. And here's the people complaining, bellyaching, murmuring. Well, they made it to Kadesh Barnea, which is going to affect them a lot of times through scriptures. We could go later on down the road. But now the ark gets to moving. We don't hear much about it for the next numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. And we don't hear much about it in Judges. We hear a little bit about it in Joshua. So turn to Joshua, if you will. Remember Joshua fit the battle of Jericho? Well, what was what was that all about? You guys ever study that? Joshua, let's see here, the Just chapter 3. And um, the destruction of Jericho. I've been by Jericho. Barren place. Kind of not much down there. Southern, southern desert. Let's see, where am I going? He takes the word, Joshua chapter 3. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, verse 1, and moved to Shittim. Let's see where to go. And they start the space between you. Verse 6. 3, 6. And Joshua said unto the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over. Well, you know something that different? Ain't the Levites this time. The priest. The, the big man himself. I don't think Aaron's over there, but, but take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Verse 7, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I will begin to magnify thee in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I'll be with thee. Side trope. Why did God do that to Joshua? You know, you don't find one time Joshua complained. You don't find Joshua murmur. All you find Joshua saying, We can do it. God's good. God's good. God's good. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Follow me as I follow Christ. I mean, that's, was key. that's why God specifically signaled him out. Or Joshua, why he's going to do that? Verse 8, And thou shalt command the priest to bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said to the children, Come hither. Hey, follow me. Come on. Now, picture what's going on here. They're leaving their camp. You got the priest. They're walking up. And they're going to walk all the way to the water. You can't, man, you're looking at them. I mean, I well, you know, it's the same thing. God takes you to the edge. See, we always want to see the path and get in the line to the horizon. Sometimes God doesn't even guide you one step. You take that one step. 
Now God starts moving. And so once they step in, water parts. Now, we've, we've always heard, if you remember when doing Joshua last time, this is symbolic of the Christian life. You're leaving the old behind and you're going in a new. And what leads you on your new life? What's the first thing? <laughs> you got to go right past that ark. Right through the Word of God. Your new life starts with the Word of God. It will guide you where to go. That ark was trying to find them a place to rest. The Word of God will guide you to rest. The Word of God will guide you where you need to be in your life. The Word will guide you across these rivers and these divides. The Word of God will make things happen. The Word of God opens doors that you didn't even know they existed. Like those movies, you know, the magical doors, you don't know where they are. But God opens them. And then God closes them too. Sometimes on your fingers. But you know what? Joshua, now, we start the new life. We're following the word of God. We're across the river. Egypt is gone. Egypt's always the world. Always has, always will. Egypt's always symbolic of the world. In scripture, you're going to allegorize. Now, the ark's moving forward. Now, what do you got to do? You know, as a Christian, sometimes you got to come up to your very first fight. There comes a time to fight for the word of God. Can you? Can you rightly divide the word? Can you convince a Mormon? They're wrong. Do you not have enough doctrine in your head to tell a Catholic priest? Can you go to a charismatic pastor and show him the error of his ways through the Word of God? Not because you're mean and arrogant, because you know the Bible. You know how to follow it. You know the path is taken. You know where it's walking. You know where you're leading. See, so now what's happening, you got to cross over. And that's what they did. But do you think it went smooth and roses after that? Now, let's move on. Joshua 7. We're going to keep following this arc as we go, go through. Maybe back up. Joshua 6. 7 is Ai. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because the children of Israel, none went out, none came in. Can people not get around one way or another they got to come through you? You got anyone in your life you just want to witness to? People at work? Yes, no matter what, they, they have to face you. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given thine hand, given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shall ye do six days. Well, you know something? Forgive me, ladies, but uh, there ain't no ladies in this one. It's not that God's against women. There's just certain times, a certain order and a function, and that's just the way it is. Some guys are meant to the soul winner, the soul winner. There's some people here couldn't soul win if you paid them. Is that their fault? No, it's not. One, maybe they don't have desire. Two, they just don't have desire. Three, they, it's not even in their psyche. It's not even, it's so far removed in the heart, God didn't give them that gift. Same time though, boy, they're the person you want to go for a hug or you need some advice, they always got that word. See, there's different gifts. Is everyone supposed to witness? Absolutely. That's a command. That's not a request. But how do you respond to it? That's what we do. Now see, God gave a command, the men of war. But he also gave the priest. Now watch this. And the seven priests, verse 4, chapter 6, verse 4, and the seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when ye shall make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye shall hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. 
and the wall of the city shall fall down, and the people shall ascend, and every man run straight. So we picture, we remember Josh fit the battle, Jared, they walk around. One day, first time, no one says a word. You know, the Bible says, be still. Be still and know I'm a God. Be still. Keep going around, walk back. Can you imagine what the people in AI were thinking? Really, think about that. You're in that town, here comes three million Hebrews, and all of a sudden they walk around your wall blowing trumpets, carrying a box, a golden box. That just sounds strange. But that's how we appear to the world. You know, the, the, uh, the mixing nine verses. One like we're a savior of life unto life and a savior unto death unto death. See, the Christians, the world don't understand. It don't make no sense to them whatsoever. But look at the result for us. The wall fell down. And I've heard, yeah, I've heard so many stories about the wall falling down in your life and all these things. My only point is, it was the ark was there. That was the word of God. The word of God always leads. The word of God will fight your battles for you. God says, my word is like an anvil. Hit your head on that, boom. My word's a hammer. My word's fire. I mean, there's so many names for the word of God. But bottom line is, it's what we need to love and follow. So now we see that happen. We get the victory. Yay, we follow the word. No victory in Jesus. And then comes Achan. Boy, the pain comes in the morning, right? You ever sin, Christian? You ever sin? I'm sure everyone in this room, I have my moment of shame. I don't want to admit it. But I've shamed. I've sinned. I, I know. I don't know folly. That's one I don't want to know. But I've had sin of shame, and I'm glad I had forgiveness. I know the death forgiveness. That's why I forgive you. And I forgive you. And I forgive you. You didn't do nothing wrong to me. I forgive you anyway. And if you do something wrong to me, I'll forgive you again. You know why? Because I have been forgiven. And not because I'm a great saint. I've learned these lessons the hard way. This wasn't just, oh, okay, if you look at the Bible says, oh, yeah. Oh, no. I wish it was that simple. I wish it was. I had to learn the hard way. I had to learn the Aiken. I took the cursed thing, and I've been cursed, and I suffered the consequences of that curse. But you know what the problem, what it cost Aiken? And I want to tell you this, Christian, next time you think you're going to you sin alone, or it's just a sin to ourselves, really? Do you know what happened to Aiken? Oh, they save the time, I'll just tell you the story. Later on, God brought him down, signaled him down, lot, you're the man. They took Aiken. And his wife, and his sons, and his daughters, and even his tent. And they killed him. Pretty mean, huh? Where's our loving God in all this? What happens when you go against the word of God? Does God supposed to compromise? See, remember this verse. Shall the thing form say to the thing that he created it, why did you make me? Can we tell God, why did you kill every man, woman, and child? Not you, what kind of God are you? I don't even have the right to even think to say something like that. But if you're sincere in question, look at Moses. When you have a sincere question, God will answer you. But to wonder why, you know, no, he made it, we didn't. Any questions? Now, that was constantly, when you defy the word of God, you can't take the word of God and think you're going to get away with it. You, you won't, Christian. I'm here to tell you. I've got a long road and I've got a long path. You will not get away with it. You will not. Oh, six, eight months after you forgot about it, bing, 
God brings your past up. Just have the way it falls. But let's go on. Jericho fall. Joshua's fall before the ark. Here's another good one for the ark. Turn to Judges chapter 20. Now, Judges, remember the story about Judges? I mean, you can describe it best. <laughs> the last verse. And if anybody don't know what that is, go ahead and cheat and go over there. But in the meantime, for the rest of us, turn to Judges chapter 20. This was a time when Benjamin was a... Benjamin was a kind of evil tribe. When you read about Benjamin, I mean, that's like the Sodomites. And Benjamin just an evil tribe. But either way, there's battles going on. Um, man was traveling with his concubine. Basically, they raped her, left her sleeping, and then she called out to the door. And so he chopped her up in 12 pieces, sent her to 12 tribes, and said, This ought not to be done in Israel. All the nation Israel come together. And that's when we end up at verse 20. Then all the children, or chapter 20, of Judges. Then all the children of Israel went out, and the congregation was gathered together from one man from Dan, Eden, Bathsheba, to Mount Gilead. So all the people come. Verse 2, all the chief people. Let me get down to where the good stuff is. Verse 14. But the children of Benjamin went on. But one more part. I need the first battle. Verse 12. 2012. And the tribes of Israel sent men to all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, Where did the wickedness is this done unto you? Now therefore deliver the man. I'm back up. Okay. They asked them to repent. They did not. Verse 12. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities of Geba to go to battle against the children of Israel. You know, these are brothers. These are brothers. It's like the Methodist church fighting the Presbyterians or something. You know, Baptists against Charismatics. We're going to blows. Okay, they numbered. They'll tell you how many people. Verse 16, and they were among the people, 700 chosen. Everyone, they couldn't sling. So, I mean, they're good at what they do. They're good at what they do. Verse 18, and the children of Israel rose and went up to the house of God. Hey, pretty good. And they asked counsel of God and said, Which of us shall go first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go first. They're pretty good here, huh? Watch. They, they going to God, asked God. God told them, answered their prayer. And the children of Israel, verse 19, rose up in the morning and encamped against Geba. Then the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin, and the men of Israel put themselves in the way to fight against Geba. Hey, here they go. We're, mm -mm. Let's get ready to rumble. And the children of Benjamin came forth out of the gold, destroyed them down. Uh-oh. What went wrong? These men gathered. Benjamin's doing wrong. Now here's someone else, you know, going to go point out their sin, make sure they know. Well, what happened? Why did they get beat? Didn't God just tell them? Again, back in verse 12, God said, go on up. Well, children need to beat them up. Now look at verse 22. And the people of the men of Israel encouraged everybody. No, they encouraged themselves. And set their battle again in array in the place where they put themselves. Well, we didn't get it right the first time. Let's just try it again. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord till even. Oh, man. I think I want to cry. And they asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? And the Lord said, Go. And the children of Israel came near unto the children the second day, 
Verse 25, And Benjamin went forth against them out of Gebo the second day and destroyed down to the ground the children of Israel again, 18,000 men, 20 the day before, 18. Verse 26, And all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came up into the house of God. Didn't they go there the last three times? Follow me. This is the second time. Now we're going to the third. And they sat before the Lord and fasted that day until even and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord for the Ark of the Covenant was there. Aha! You see what they were doing wrong? Now, Christians, you come to this church and you sit here day in, day out, preach in, preach out, service in, service out, service in, service out, and you ask God to do something and it goes and it just falls apart. But I prayed. Pray again. <laughs> Fall apart again. Learn the lesson. And the children of Israel, verse 27, well, back up 26, in the middle, they fasted the day of even, they offered burnt offerings. See, they fasted the day before, but they didn't offer burnt offering. Do you know what the burnt offering is? If you remember the burnt offering, the sacrifice that burnt, they burned everything. That's symbolic, that's your sin. All of you are nothing. Now, there's other offerings, the Thanksgiving, or the peace offerings. All these other offerings came after the burnt offering. First, you had to deal with your sin. Your sin has got to be dealt with. The Bible says you ask not because you ask amiss, or you have not because you ask amiss. And that's what they were doing here. They weren't asking right. See, until you get back to your Bible. See, when they came to the ark, now they got results. See, when you go do it on your own head, oh, you're doing all the right motions. Why? Because you're trained to do You know the Christian terms. But now... Rubber hits the road. Now they went to the ark. Now they got the victory. And I know I'm running out of time here, but I'll just keep going. I'll just give you just a little bit more. Turn to us first, Samuel. And we're going to Shiloh. I bet you none of you knew Shiloh looked like this. Where did that go? You see this? Let me show you right here. Follow this wall. And you see this right here? You can almost see the rectangle. That's where it all was. And for your information, that is me. <laughs> I took that picture. I'm the only one who went to Shiloh. No one see it. it. Man, that was awesome. It was... When you see, I mean, when you see that, the rocks are like that everywhere. All these millions of people stayed there all that time because there's a little they should there's a valley that they came through. I just couldn't put every picture up there, but that is where the ark sat for all those years and all these later. So anyway, First Samuel chapter three. We'll just get a little more, and I'll cut it short. I know we got to get home and see the Super Bowl. <laughs> the story of Samuel. You know, it, 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 I love this. It, you, you, when you read it, this is almost symbolic of our Christian life. This is where God is now making a transition. The ark is now going to move off the scene, and the prophets are going to move on the scene. And that's what we're going to start seeing. God does this change of dispensation right here. Verse 3, and Samuel, chapter 3, verse 3, 1 Samuel. And, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, where there is no open vision. The word of the Lord is precious today because there ain't that many good Bible-believing preachers. 
And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, for his eyes were waxed dim, and he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple. No light. It's dark. Where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel. And so if you remember the story of Samuel, oh, I don't know, who's that? He didn't recognize the voice. But see, this is how bad things have gotten. Just like today, Christian. The light went out. This country, the light went out on our country. Are we a godly country? Absolutely not. The Muslim president? I mean, come on. I mean, what more do I say? And I'm not against them. I'm saying symbolically, we had a Muslim president. We can't be a Christian nation no more. We, we, are, we are far removed from it. Obama. He was. He said, but it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not even, I'm, no politics. I'm not even trying to go there. I'm not for or against. My only point is as a nation, our light went out. You tell people the word of God meant, I remember when I was a kid, I would, we'd, Christmas time, we'd be in the school singing all these hymns, you know, joy to the world. I mean, all these doctrinal songs in a secular school. Now, now, sing? You can't even mention the name of Jesus. See, the light went out, and that's our fault. See? But now Samuel, Samuel didn't know. But Eli had enough wisdom to tell him. See, as a young Christian, I remember when I started reading this Bible, I still remember when I was reading earthquakes in divers places. Earthquakes and divers, underwater earthquakes. I was a scuba diver at the time. I was the dive master. That's all I did was diving. So when I read that word, I didn't know the met various. I do now. But as I started learning, reading these things in scriptures, I'm like, I remember killing a lamb. I was thinking, how can I go sacrifice a lamb? I don't even know where to buy one. I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, I just got saved and I boom on a boat and I'm reading a paraphrased version. I didn't know. I do now. But see, what's happened with us people is, see, this is where it started. And now the ark starts getting really, really ugly. It starts with, as we start the story. How much time I got, Pastor? Uh, let's just get through this one story. We'll give you ten more, ten more minutes. First Samuel chapter... Um, Real startling. Came to pass, made mention of your, Well, oh, that's after it's taken on. I'm, I'm flipped my one page. No wonder I can't find it. Four. Chapter four. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now, I like that. See, when I told you the, it's shifting, the word isn't coming off the ark no more. The word's going to come from Samuel. God changes. God changes his times, his means, his methods. That's why that wasn't God in various times. Speaking to the fathers in various manners. Now, verse 4. The word was precious. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched against Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched at Apex, kind of towards the coast in the middle. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew the army to channel of Boy, Christian, you ever try to go out there on your own? First time? And more you come back with your tail between your legs. Something you try to witness, you, go, you can't even get the words out. People ask you a question, you, 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 you're stuck looking like an idiot, can't answer. Happens. That's on you. Now watch. See, they was taken. Israel beaten. Verse 3. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, 
Wherefore at the Lord's business today. I thought the Philistines beat them. They're blaming God for their problems. See what a lot of people do? You blame God for your trouble. Who went to go fight? God didn't tell them to. Now sometimes you had to fight because they arrived. But either way, let us fetch the ark. Back in verse 3. Let us fetch the ark. Whoa, ain't that a great idea? Go, hey, let's go get our Bibles. Of the covenant of the Lord, out of Shiloh unto us, that when... Anybody see that word? When it, when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. You see how people are? Well, I got a Bible. I got a cross around my neck. That'll protect me. I'm holy, can't you tell? <clears throat> see? They, people, trust in things. Yeah. You don't trust in the living God. People trust in the Bible. Not What's in the Bible? They trust the Bible. They carry it around like good luck charm. What's that? Uh, thing in the name He's just a spiritual baby. He carried the, well, the, the, carried the biggest King James you've ever seen. Just a spiritual baby. I, don't know, I think an old Amy Grant song, but it was talking about being a baby. But see, now the ark is taken. The ark is captured. And the people, what do they do? Say, let us get it and save it. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring hence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord a host, which dwelleth between the cherubims, where it's supposed to be, not out on their backs. And the two sons of Eli, Hoppy and Phineas, were there with the Ark of the God. Oh, Hoppius and Phineas. Do you guys know about these two? Definitely unsaved. Very wicked. Very wicked. They didn't even have the form of godliness. They just took the title. And they're carrying the Ark. So the Philistines, basically, long story short, Ark comes in, they scream, Philistines, well, the Philistines won the battle. You know, if you just try to trust this book because of the pages, because you're carrying your Bible under your arm, that that's going to make you somebody or something without it having in here, that word I hid in my heart. I don't carry it or have it on your phone. So what happened? Philistines won. The word is now in their hands. Verse 11. And the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Hoppy and Phineas, were slain. You know, God just has a way sometimes. God has his way of making everything come out together. Why? Because he's going to clean out this old camp. And he's going to bring in a new. And that's called Samuel, the first of the prophets. But either way, now that the Philistines got hold of the ark, what do you think they're going to do with it? What do you think unbelievers do with your Bible? Oh, I've, man, I'm the stuff, you know, God helps those who helps themselves. What verse is that, Pastor? Yeah. I can't finish because last time I checked, God helps the ones who can't help themselves. The ones who help themselves are the ones that are falling down on their own, the ones that are stumbling, the ones that are gone astray. Why? Because they did it their own way. But either way, now the Philistines got the word of God. You know what happens when the world gets hold of the word of God? <laughs> we get the Catholic Church. But... <laughs> I mean to say that. Strike that from the tape. <laughs> and the ark of the Lord, verse chapter 6. And the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. I love the way God. I, I, there's so many I can get into the numbers. but And the Philistines called for the priests and the vineyards, saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? You know, the world don't know what to do with the Bible. They don't even know what to do with Jesus. That's why they killed him. Tell us, where shall we send it to his place? And they said, If you send away the ark of the God, make sure you give it to Anyway, what was happening here? The Philistines took the ark and, hey, yeah, we're in. Uh-uh. Boy, sinners in the hand of an angry God, that sermon. Well, 
Philistines in the hand of an angry God. He smote them with cancer. He smote them with tumors. He just made life miserable. You know, Christian, see, that's for unbelievers that have the Word of God. What are you like when you don't have the Word of God? Hmm? What do you like? Are you missing the Word of God in your life? Can you go seven months? Because remember, Israel didn't have it. See, they had the ark, but they were using it and not using it. But now, the Philistines got it, and it just went wrong. It went from bad to worse to terrible to awful to get this thing out of here. And that's why Christians cast, or unbelievers are cast you out. They don't want you around them. They can't stand you. If you're a holy Christian living their worth right, you're, you're going to be just like Peter. Your speech is going to betray you. You can't speak like them. You can't talk like them. You can't sound like them. And if you do, I suggest you go to Psalm 119 tonight and read the whole thing before you go to bed. All 150 verses. That'll keep you awake at night, huh? <laughs> anyway, I got to speed this story. Let me just get the story going. The ark now takes off from here. Now, it gets going to come back. Israel's going to go fetch it. Well, what's going to happen there? Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 7. Basically, they wanted to get rid of it. They put it on a cart. We know that story. And I love the story. I was at that road. I saw that road. I remember driving by and I said, hey, there's where the ark came down. I saw the path. It's like between two valleys. And it's not too far, actually, just up over the hill where David fought Goliath. All this is a little area. So it's about five miles outside of Jerusalem, kind of right up in the hills, right in the middle. But either way, the Philistines send the ark back, and what happens? Turn to uh, 614, Samuel, 1 Samuel 614. And the ark came under the field of Joshua, Bishamite, and stood there. And there was a great stone, and they clayed the wood and the cart, and offered the decline the cows, and offering the Lord. Sounds great. This cart came under, the Philistines sent it down, men destroyed the cows, if it goes left or right. You know, it's going to end up there. So it did end up there. Verse 15. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord. Nothing happened. They didn't get killed. Nothing. Okay. And then the jewels of the gold. And so they put it put it down. Now the Philistines saw that everything's good. Hey, we're going to... Oh, we got God out of our lives. You know, that's like getting... When you get people into the church that come to want to hear the word of God, they can't get away from this place fast enough sometimes. They just can't. Okay, so he smote the men. The men took off. Verse 19, well, no, watch it. Side note, and we're going to close with this one. After he sends them out into the ark, uh, the end of verse 18, it says, The ark of the Lord, which stone remaineth unto this day in the field of Joshua the Bishamite. So when he came into town, verse 19, and he smote the men of Bishamite. Who's he? I'm sorry. And he smote them in the business because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he that smote the people, 50,000, threescore, and ten men. And they lament. These are, this is the Levite city that they went to. This is one of the cities of refuge. The Levite. So these are all Levites there. Hmm. What's, let me take a peek. See, we read the story later on in Uzzah, and I'm not going to have time to get there. We're just going to have to stop. Um, but we never hear the story about these. These were God's people messing around with the Word of God, mishandling the Word of God, treating it lightly so much so that, yeah. Christian, I'm here to tell you. Now, this is just a book, and I got a brand new Bible. I'm trying to learn it. It's always hard to learn a new Bible when you get a new one. Mine was all marked on the pages, and, you know, it's like a map. 
So I'm trying to learn this one. But you know what? You've got to respect the Word of God. And I don't mean put your Bible in a hole, you know, on a shelf and I... No, 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 no. Do you read it? I'm sure I do. I... No, I mean, do you? And it's not put where you read the Bible in a year, you read and you read this much or that much. It's not how or who. Do you have the heart desire? Because if you don't, you got to train yourself. See, it's... It's like exercising. You don't like doing it. Or you even eating oatmeal. Sometimes you, you ever have to eat the... I'm, I've been so poor. I mean, I have. So I can understand. I can relate to it. I've been so, I've did, I couldn't eat at times. But when you eat, you eat whatever you got. You eat whatever you got. It don't matter if it's good, bad, or indifferent. I ain't complaining. I'm eating it. I'm hungry. How are you with the Word of God? Now, I've had, I'm just telling you in my life, I'm lucky I kind of got trained in it fast, but... I remember a time, probably a couple of three years, never even opened it. Never even cracked my Bible. Why? Just like we read these stories of people's lives and the, as the people in, come in and out of the Word of God, how it affects your life. And all these stories with the ark are times that we had. There's times we're rejoicing the fellowship sweet, we're giving, we're offering, we hear the voice of God. There's other times we're getting smitten by it. We open and the Word condemns us. And out of our Word we condemn us and so we don't Ah, oh, we don't want to go to the light. Why? You know, it's like when you turn the light. That's what the Bible does to you. The light. Oh, I can't see. But what happens after you keep reading it? Now you can't see in the dark. Because yeah. <laughs> your light's too bright. Heavenly Father, Lord. Father, we come before you. We thank you and praise you. Father, we ask your forgiveness, Lord. We treat your word so lightly and so irreverent at times. And yet, Father, you made us born again by that word. You made the heavens by your word. Lord, you made the new heavens by your word. And, Father, you guide us even still now by your word. You chose the preaching for us to grow thereby. Father, you said for us to seek ye out the book and to read. Even now, Father, help this congregation tonight. Love your word. Help us just want to read it and seek you and learn and hear from you and to be still and to know that you are God and to meditate upon you in the night watches. Lord, I ask your blessing upon this people now that your word would go forth in Jesus' name. Amen.